Thank you, Devin. Well, this morning we continue our series on transformation and the message entitled, Your Mind Matters to God. And as we think about where we've been and where we're going, we're really looking at what God does in terms of his invitation for us to experience change. And for most of us, change is one of those fearful experiences in life. We're not sure we really want change because we're not really sure what's going to happen when we do change. But we've all had the experience of at the times where we, we've come to that point where we recognize something has to change. Now, if we're driving a vehicle that's not operating very well, it's uh, making noises we've never heard before, it's not particularly right, driving very smoothly on the road, so I better take it in. If I can't uh, somehow make it work right, I better take it to someone who might be able to make it work right. And behind me we have the ABC um, restorations automotive garage and when you take a car to a garage like this you're, the reason you're taking the car to the garage is because you know it needs to get what fixed now what I want to do is just to very simply emphasize that is as you come to a place like this a, a, a worship center a sanctuary a church hopefully you have that same singular understanding is you don't take a car that is running perfectly okay and doesn't have any minor maintenance things to do but you don't take a car that is running perfectly and tell the mechanic to fix it right because you don't want him to take something that's working right and make it not work as right as it is now working but what you need to understand is that the same way, however, is when you come to church and you realize if you're coming here and you don't think you need to be fixed, you're in the wrong place. Because the Bible says that we are in continually need of being fixed. Um, the Bible says that I'm confident that this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, which means he's not finished with what he began, will continue it until Jesus returns. So this is a place for only people who want to get fixed. Now the question, however, is, well, how does that happen? Now we know that for a mechanic, there are some certain tools of the trade, and this is a rather old uh, automobile garage, but there are various tools that people who fix vehicles use so that that which is not working very well is now brought up to how it's supposed to work. Well, we're going to use some tools of the trade this morning, but before we do so, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray together. Our God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we ask as we look in your word that we might be willing again for you to open us up and fix that which is broken or fix that which needs to function so much better for not our own self but for your purposes. Father, help us to be attentive to what you have to say this morning so that we continue on the journey of taking the steps spiritually you want us to take. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to look at your mind matters to God, but before we look at your mind matters to God, let's look at where we've been. And in doing that, let's, let's read the passage, our key passage for this series together. Uh, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, it's in your outline this morning, so let's read it out loud together. All right, ready? Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And isn't that how you want something fixed? You don't want it to be fixed just kind of imperfectly. You want it fixed what? 
perfectly. And, and that's God's promise for us, that when we're going down His path, we're going down toward the intended pr purpose or goal that God had for us. But it begins at the beginning. And we talked about that uh, two or three weeks ago, that as we think about this message, and the 12th chapter comes after 11 other chapters that have already been written, that there's a reason that, that Paul is now making his appeal. And the reason he's making those appeals is because of the therefore. The therefore, all that God has done for us, and speaking to people who are in the family, therefore I urge you, brethren, uh, by the mercies of God, there's something I, I'm compelling you now to do. But before he compelled them to do something new, he had to go back to remind them of what they'd already done. And just as you look at this vehicle in our garage, or ABC garage, and you see week by week, particularly things on the outside are getting better. Now, it's not all there yet. Last week, we didn't have any tires on the car. Uh, things were broken on the, on the windshield, and there were things that dents that needed to be repaired. And we put the, the tires back in, and we got some things taped off. And, and the body work is be, continuing to be worked on. But as we mentioned last week, particularly as it relates to the emphasis is how God begins this whole change work in our life, what he has to do with a vehicle or our lives, he's got to drop something in. And you can have a great-looking car on the outside, but if, there, if the engine doesn't work on the, in, on the inside, the, the, the car is useless. And for us to know God, before He can have us do anything, He's got to drop a new heart into our life. And, and so that's what we talked about. We said, where does change happen? Where does transformation begin? It begins in the heart. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation, a new creature. He does something radical. And that radical thing is putting that which is not in there already, which is a, a union relationship with God based on what Jesus has done for us. And how that happens is as simple as the ABCs. Every person who comes to Christ comes the same way. And that's, first of all, they have to admit their need. They have that need to say, God, you need to fix me. I'm broken. In fact, God says that what he needs is a broken and contrite heart. And so a person admits their need, turns from their sin, that which separates us from God, the things that we do wrong in our life, in our rebellion against Him. And, and you've got to humble yourself to the point, I, I, God, I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm broken, and I want you to mend me. And he does, he does a radical transplant and gives us a new heart. By, first of all, our, our admitting our need, and then secondly, believing, believing that, that Jesus can do that. And the reason we can believe that is because he paid the penalty for our sins and rose again. And, and we really trust that that miracle that Jesus performed on the cross can be applied to us where he died in our place. But even admitting our need and believing that he can do it, it does come to the point where we've got to choose. And the C of the ABC is that we've got to commit to follow Jesus as the leader of our life, the Lord of our life. And that we recognize that he truly is God and he is the Savior. And we want what only He can give. And we give our lives to Him, and He gives His life to us. And so transformation begins on the inside. It begins with God giving us a new heart. But as, as we think about that first step, it doesn't end there. And then God says, okay, now, now that you have a new heart, I want that, what I put on the inside to show on the outside. And that's true in any relationship. If we say we love somebody, we want that love to, to demonstrate itself in actions as well as attitudes. So Paul says, therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
to present your bodies. And that word present is the, is the words that was used in the Old Testament as a priest would come to the altar and present a sacrifice to God as a symbol of expression of love and commitment. And he says, I'm not asking you to bring a dead animal and put it on the altar. I'm asking you to put a live person on that altar, and that live person is you. We, we can't make that offer of sacrifice of somebody else. We can pray that they would come to that point and do that. But God is saying, I'm speaking to you. And I want you to take your life, and I want you to put your physical being on that altar. And I don't want it to be dead. I want it to be alive. I want you on a, on a daily basis. Live for me. And that's what we looked at last week, that as we present our bodies, our physical, give your body to God, is that we are to present our bodies to Him in a living way, a holy way, an acceptable way, and in a serving way. And then that will demonstrate what, what really God wants to do in our lives is because everywhere, everywhere our inside go, our outside goes as well. And, and so He calls us to live that way. This past week in one of the life groups I was sharing that old song. Some of you grew up in Sunday school or vacation Bible school. Remember, remember this song? And, and Etta got the words to me. And I was going to put her up here and sing it and do all the hand motions, but I, I was gracious this week. But remember this little song, Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little feet, where you go. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little feet, where you go. And then it gets kind of where we have been. It, it presents all the members of our body in that way. And then it says, Oh, be careful, little heart, whom you trust. Oh, be careful, little heart, whom you trust. Why? For the Father from above is looking down in love. So be careful, little heart, whom you trust. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. Oh, be careful, little mind, what you think. For the Father up above is looking down in love. So be careful, little mind, what you think. And we looked at last week in terms of, you know, giving your body to God, giving your physical being to God. Uh, how does that, again, work out? Well, intentionally, you've got to say, have I given my eyes to God? Have I given my ears to God? Have I given my hands to God? Have I given my feet to God? Have you given that little muscle in my mouth to God? And, and, and there's some obvious things where we could say, yeah, there's some sinful things in my, that could come out of my mouth and destroying someone's reputation and gossiping about them. I could use my hands to hit somebody. Um, but, you know, there's, there's the positive part of that as well. Uh, in, in the small groups, was, this is one of the reasons I really like small groups because they'll look at some applications that I won't necessarily think about as we talk about the passage and as I was thinking about eyes for instance there's some things we shouldn't be looking at you know pornographic type of things that would just pollute our minds but there's a positive aspect as well when you commit your eyes to God you'll begin to, to look at people like Jesus looks at them 
not with judgmental conviction, but, but there's a person that Jesus died for. Or even more practically, when you're around a group of people, you look at the person who might be all alone and you, you go over and stand by them and maybe give a listening ear or maybe just a hand on the shoulder as an expression of that you care. And so as we think about living for God, it, it can be with the things that don't seem that dramatic, but they have dramatic results. I mean, even at the free giveaway, as people were... People often in the community, as I have opportunity to go in the community, say, well, aren't, aren't you trying to raise money with this giveaway? Why don't you sell it and you get, get money? Well, we could do that, and there's some reasons you, that could have a profitable result. But we're doing it in a free way because we just want to show people we care. And, and so what God is saying to us in our homes and in our places of work and our neighborhoods, are, are you seeing what I see? And maybe when you pick up on a conversation and, and you see some heartache, do you, do you hear what I hear? Are you willing to listen to maybe to someone's story where it might take some time, but you've given my ears to you and you're using your hands to help someone? Maybe carry a bag to their car or to their shopping cart or just help them fix something that needs to be fixed. So God wants us to be the hands and feet of Jesus and to see what he sees, hears what he hears, goes where he wants us to go. But as we see this change, which is on the outside, reflecting what God has put on the inside, well, how does that happen? Because we don't normally think that's unselfishly, right? We're, we're, we have a problem being preoccupied with our own, own stuff, okay? So what Paul does here, he's, he, he pursues the process. He says, how you, after you give your heart to me, that engine that gets dropped in here, and then as you start doing body work on the car, okay, how do you get it to, to now start running in the right direction? Because you, you'd have an engine going pretty well, but if somehow that engine isn't functioning, isn't being driven in the right place, it's still a disaster. And, and as, you've, as you found now in vehicles, they've made fixing vehicles a little bit harder. You know, when that engine light goes on, anybody ever have an engine light go on in your car? You know, and they, they take it in there, and, and what they have to do now is they plug something into it, don't they? And they find out what that computer is saying. And, and what our mind is, is that computer that, that's now put in most vehicles today, and it really diagnoses everything that's happening in that vehicle. What's wrong, what's right, and what needs to have it uh, given attention to by the mechanic. And what God is really saying, if you really want to get change in your life, if I want to really want change in my life, I've got to put that computer he's put in our body, that mind, and say, I want you to give it to me. Because what happens in your mind will control everything about you. Because your mind not only governs what you think, but if you've ever really analyzed it, it governs what you feel. And then not only what you feel, but actually what you then do. If I or someone else tries to pour into your mind that which is untrue about you, it will change how you feel about yourself and eventually what you do with yourself. If, if I were to somehow convince you that you were worthless, incompetent, had no value, and, and all, all those are our words and thoughts, would that change how you would feel about yourself? Would it change you, how you would feel? If, if significant people in your life kept throwing garbage at you, would it change how you felt about yourself? Of course it would. 
And if they convince you strongly, not only would it control how you feel, it would control the next steps you would take in your life. And God said, you've got, you got to change all of that. You can't let the world or your own personal self or the evil one control your mind that will control how you feel and how you act. Because God would never communicate to you that you're worthless or you're incompetent or you have nothing to offer. He says, I'm your, I'm your heavenly father. I made you in my image. I sent my son to die for you. You are of eternal value. And in fact, not only that, I've gifted you. I've given you talents and abilities. And I've got, I've got jobs for you to do. You have, you have eternal worth. And I never condemn you once you're in Christ. And so God's truth found in his word changes everything about how we think about ourselves, how we feel about ourselves, and how we act. And it's not a me-centered relationship with God. It's recognized how great God is. That's what he's done, not what we've done. And we respond to how awesome God is and how worthy he is to follow him. And isn't that true about anything? If you get a great leader, you get a great teacher, you get a great whatever, okay, you, you just naturally respond to want to f- listen or follow what they have to say or what they have to do. And that's how it is with God. It's, we run to God because of who He is, not who we are. So this morning what we want to talk about is, okay, how do we, how do we get in on the, on the change that God wants to continually do in our lives? He gives us a new heart. He makes it very plain. I want you to follow me in a living way, holy way, acceptable way, and a serving way. Well, how does that happen? Because that's not how we normally think. He says, okay, here's two things you've got to do. Number one, he says in both the negative and the positive. And sometimes we need both, don't we? Sometimes I get it easier when people point out what's wrong, and sometimes I get better when people point out what's right, and sometimes I need both. He says, okay, two things I want you to do. Number one, do not this, and then do this. He says, do not be conformed to this world. That's the negative. And on the other side, be transformed. So that's the two things that we cooperate with, and we're going to find out that really comes through the, the mind, you know, that computer God has put in our head. Well, let's look at this fairly quickly this morning. He said, what are we to do? First of all, do not be conformed to this world. The first John 2, 15, 16 gives us kind of a why about that. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. Why? If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You're not, you're not on the same path that God wants, you, wants for your life. For all that is in the world, and this is what's in the world, the lust or the desires for only what the flesh wants, selfish desires, and the lust of the eyes, what we see and say, I, I want that what somebody else has have, and the boastful pride of life, whatever builds me up is what I'm going to pursue, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world's message is get everything you can, why you can, as fast as you can. Okay, and God said, that's not my plan for you. This world is not going to last forever. Why would you want to consume everything in this world when this world is not going to be here forever in the form it's in right now? And, and then in First Peter 1.14, the only time other than in this passage where the word conformed is used as obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. And, and that's part of our problem, too. Sometimes that, 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 uh, you know, that, that tape that runs in our mind about things that used to happen in our life, and, and we, 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 we want to go on that same path again. But why, why do you want to go back to what you used to be? Don't do that. Don't conform yourself to your past. Look to the present and in the future of what God has for you. Now, Defining terms just for a moment. 
The word conform, and I will give you the, the I'll give you the simple word that you can relate to, is that it comes from a, a Greek word from which we get the word scheme or schematics. And when he says do not be conformed, he says don't, don't follow the scheme or the schematics or the blueprint of the world. Now, it was interesting, right before I came up here, I was, I was, I don't always bring a lot of notes up here, but sometimes I do, and, and then every time I do, for some reason, I lose it. For somewhere between the first service and the second service, it's gone, all right? But there's some interesting things that people have written about this idea of not following the blueprint or the schemes uh, of this world. One is, what does that mean? Well, it means all the, the thoughts and the implications and the passions and the values and the pursuits that are advertised all the time that you need to have this to, to have your life fulfilled. And, and if, if we bought into that, number one, we wouldn't have any place to contain all the things we'd have to buy every infomercial that comes on, right? Have you, have you ever listened to an infomercial? You know, what, you know from, a, from my perspective, what I think, that sounds like a church service. I was once this, and now I'm this. And why? Because I now, I have this exercise machine, or I've taken this pill, or I eat this kind of food, or I bought this kind of car, or I use this kind of toothpaste. I was once this, and now I'm changed, and I have this. Okay? Well, the problem is, some of them are they're competing against each other. Well, this says exact opposite what this other infomercial said. Okay, you, you, if you're trying to pursue the world uh, uh, answers for all the things that happen in your life, you're going to be a schizophrenic because they, there's all kinds of messages out of there. And so God says very plainly, hey, don't follow the blueprint of the world. that You've got to buy into everything they have to say to you. Uh, J.B. Phillips, I believe, said this way. Understand this. What the world's trying to do is to squeeze you into its mold. I want everyone to, to be in this kind of little box. If you're like this, that's where happiness is. Um, and, and so as we think about that, what, what God is telling us, okay, don't buy that lie. Don't think that your happiness is, is dependent upon how much of the world you have or the things that are in the world that you have or following the pursuits of the world. Now, we can enjoy this world that God has made for us, but we don't have to follow after its values. In fact, the word here for world is not the normal word for planet, which is cosmos. It has the idea of ion, which is the, 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 the philosophies of this age. Don't buy into that. Now, what's also interesting about this word, don't follow the blueprint of the schemes uh, of this world, is this word verb in the verb here is in the passive form. And what it's saying is you have to, to not allow that which it will do naturally to you if you're not saying no to it. You know, uh, if I jump in a pool, um, the active part is I jump in the pool, but once I'm in my pool, I don't have to tell the water to get me wet, do I? It's just going to happen naturally. And what happens in our life is that the world will naturally squeeze us into its mold. That'll just, it'll just happen. There's no, there's no way to get around it. If I'm out in the sun, the sun will do its work. And if I'm out there long enough and don't have any covering on, it will what? It will burn me, right? And it's saying, you've got to be very careful because that which is out there will do something to you if you allow it to happen. And so it's, it, it's what, in the original language, it's in the passive imperative form. The passive part is realize it's going to do its work. The imperative part is the command form. Do not let it do that work. So we have to actually say no to what the world has to say. But 
but if all we were left is that, don't, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold, you know, that would, that would not leave, leave us with a solution. That's what not to do. What are we supposed to do? Well, the other part of this will be transformed. Now, be transformed is that word, and I think we referred to it earlier in the series. It's that word in the original language, metamorphosis, which, which um, is the noun form, but in the verb form, it's the idea of being, being changed, particularly outwardly, to what inwardly you're supposed to be. For instance, when a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, that's what that caterpillar is supposed to turn into. And this is also in the passive form, which is saying, look at, just like the world will naturally squeeze you into its mold, I want you to understand that I will, if you allow me, naturally, or you could say supernaturally, allow you to come into the form that I have created you to be. Which is just a complicated way to say this. We are not alone in this whole change process. It, it, this, is, this is not simply a, a, a get, uh, self-help um, seminar. You know, if you do these 10 things, then these are the 10 results you'll get. This is not that. This is saying if you allow God to do what he wants to do in your life, there will be change, positive change in your life. But realize there's going to be a struggle because there's going to be a competing force out there. The Bible says the world, the flesh, and the evil one that will try to do the exact opposite. You have to say no to that and say yes to God. And then God will do his supernatural work internally. And it's a process. It doesn't happen necessarily overnight. Just like this, this we're still, we're, I'm, I'm really excited to see what this car looks like next week, okay? It's still in process. And I'm excited about what's going to happen in my life, you know, as I continue to live. That hopefully my, the things that need to change in my life will keep being changed. And, and so he says, don't do this. Don't be conformed to this role, but be transformed. But then he adds this next phrase. He says, well, how do I cooperate with that? What's the active part that I do? And he says, by the renewing of your, what? Mind. And that's where we started off. Your mind matters to God. My mind matters to God. And, and we've heard people say to us, that if, if you've ever been, you know, driving and you seem to be kind of off somewhere, you know, where's your head at? And if you're cheap, you say, what's a penny for your thoughts, you know? How about a quarter? How about a dollar? How about $10 for my thoughts? Okay, and of course, it's not worth that much, so that's why they don't give me that much. But, you know, sometimes your thoughts are everywhere, and they go, where are you? Okay, well, God is saying to that spiritually, where are we? And where we are is where our mind is at as it relates to Him. I didn't say this in the, in the first service, but I, I meant to. It's in my notes that I never look at when I get up here. But, you know, we do things consciously and subconsciously. Have you noticed that? Sometimes I go, why did I do that, you know? Well, that was just by accident. Well, it wasn't by accident. There were some things going on in your mind that you might not have been perceiving at the moment, but it was contributing to your choices that you made. And what God is saying, if you'll give me your mind, let your, your mind focus on that which is true, you'll make good decisions not only consciously but subconsciously because your mind is being trained all the time by what is being put in there. Um, I think this originated with computers. It seems to me that's when I, when, I, when I first started working with computers at Cal State Fullerton, and I say work with them, I had to go to the classes where we had to do things. They were in, they were in buildings. The buildings were gigantic, and we had to type out program cards on cards, and we had to put them in there, and I wasn't a necessarily a computer um, expert, and so I would spend all night in there trying to get my program to work because you make one mistake, the computer program wouldn't work. 
And there was an idea, garbage in, garbage what? Uh, what I put into that program produced what came out. And what God says, what you put in here will produce what comes out of here. And what happens is it's got to be up here in the mind. And so God wants us to recognize we need to put truth in here. So let's look at it real quickly. What, are, what can we do to renew our mind? And the first one is really obvious. Uh, be saturated with Scripture. And this week we're going to give you all kinds of passages that talk about the, what the Bible says about itself, about the Word of God. But in Colossians 3.16, Let the Word of Christ dwell richly within you, with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another, with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord. God wants us to take the Word of God and allow it just to resonate within who we are. Just let it just richly dwell in our minds as we think about truth. And the reason I put that passage in is because of the second point. But let's move on. In John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them in truth. Thy word is what? Truth. See, when we believe lies, it will change how we think and how we feel and how we act. If we believe that which is true, which the word of God is, it will sanctify us or set us apart to be what God wants us to be. Either we'll stay the way we are or the word of God will change us. Psalm 119.9 says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. Your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Uh, hopefully many of you have heard this. If not, it's no big deal. But, you know, there's this very simple phrase. Uh, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this, this book. And so this book is that which God uses to, to govern our lives. Joshua 1.8, another passage. This book of the law should not depart from your mouth. It should just come out of you idly. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. It's the Word of God that changes us. You know, in, in John chapter 8, Jesus said, If you know the truth, the truth will set you, what? A free. And right before this, he says, Well, abide in my Word. I want to be set free from what I used to be to what God wants me to be. Well, that only happens when the Word of God runs through you. I've said this often in some small groups. I know some of you struggle with memorizing Scripture or remembering um, what you just read after you read the Bible. Or, or I know you never forget my messages, but I mean, you know, you forget what happens on Sunday, any of those kind of things. And you say, well, what's the use? If I can't remember what I just read or what I tried to memorize or a message I, I heard, well, I'm just going to stop. Well, number one, would you, would you do that with food? Can you remember what you had for dinner a week ago? Or for breakfast or lunch? I mean, I don't know what I ate, but I'm sure glad I what? I ate it. The Word of God, just like food, it works in your life, consciously and subconsciously. And it's like, it's like having a, a barrel, you know, and sometimes you think the Word of God is like a barrel with a hole in it. You know, you pour the, the Word of God in your life, but it seems like it just goes out the bottom. And if you were trying to, to fill a barrel with water and you kept putting water in it and it kept pouring out, you said, what's the use? I'm going to stop pouring water in a barrel with, no, with a hole in it. Well, there's one corresponding result of that. You'll have the cleanest barrel in town if you keep pouring water in it. And so keep pouring the Word of God in your life. Now, secondly, and this relates to this, is, is not only be saturated with Scripture, but be filled with the Spirit. In Ephesians 5, 18 and 19, do not get drunk with wine for that dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. And the reason I threw that verse in 
because the Spirit of God works with the Word of God in, in, in union. The Spirit of God is the, is the author, and He inspires men to, to write the truth that comes from God. And, and when we are filled with the Spirit, it's like being filled with the Scripture. So God empowers through His Spirit to take the truth what you, which you receive and pour into your life and allows you to respond in life where you do the same thing. You, you're filled with joy. You're filled with a melody in your heart. You're filled with direction from God. So how do we renew ourselves? By, by being saturated with Scripture, by being filled with the Spirit. And thirdly, by looking at Jesus as your example. Second uh, Corinthians 3.18 says this, But we all with unfailed face, face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. And the idea there is when we look in this book, we're really trying to see what is God like? Who is Jesus? How does, he, how does he impact my life? How did he live his life? And how am I supposed to live my life? And you see God in this book. And it's interesting as we go through the book of Numbers, and in the book of Numbers you see that God is intimately committed to all the minor, specific little details of the life of people in Israel. Well, you know, simple application of that. Well, if God was concerned about all the details in life of the people, the people of the life of Israel, maybe he's that concerned about every part of my life as well. And, and you can just see how God works every, in every page of this book. And, and so we, but what we need to do is with a passion say, okay, how can I see God more clearly as I, as I find truth in this, in this resource for my life? You know, when you look in a mirror, normally you're looking to see how you look, right? But this is a different mirror. You're, you're not looking at yourself to become a better self by looking at self. You're looking at Jesus to see how, who he is. So that changes who you are. You know, we all get disappointed by other Christians, by, by churches at large. But you'll never be disappointed with Jesus if that's your focus. You'll become who you look at. You know, when, when I was growing up, and I, I, I just loved sports, and whenever, whatever sport I'd be involved in, I'd find some hero in that sport, someone I wanted to be like, and I would do everything they would do. And baseball, for, for a long time, was my passion. And wh whatever my favorite player at the time was, I, I would do everything they would do in the batter's box. You know, I'd have that same twitch of the arm. I'd have the same stance. If it was a closed stance or an open stance, it was a wide stance. You know, how he looked at the... Every, everything he did, I wanted to do. And see, that's how God wants us to look at him. However Jesus says, that's how I want to, to, to follow after. So how do we actively change that which is in our mind by renewing our mind? By saturating our lives with Scripture. By surrendering ourselves to the Spirit. By looking and seeing Jesus as the example of our life. And to recognize it's not going to be easy because we need to be prepared for spiritual battle. I think the, the, the most difficult verse in all the Bible is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We are destroying speculations in every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. If I can control how you think, I can control how you live. And what God is saying, look at as you come to me, give me your mind. Give me your thoughts. Make it the passion that you want to be and to do what I've revealed to you as truth that, is, that sets you free. Every thought I want to think like God wants me to think. And isn't that how Jesus responded to temptation in Matthew chapter 4? 
when he simplified the evil one. Every time the evil one wanted him to, to look somewhere else for meeting his needs physically or socially, being power in that world or, or even spiritually who to worship, he always responded with what? With scripture. Thus saith the word of God. So as we, we come to this place in our series on transformation, it begins in the heart. God drops a new engine into our vehicle, a new heart. And then he says, okay, what I want you to do is I want you to take your body in which every part of your body, present the members of your body as instruments of righteousness, your hands, your eyes, your ears, your feet, your tongue, every part of you, because I want it to demonstrate who you are from the inside out. And he said, well, how does that happen? Well, you've got to give me your mind, and it's got to be renewed continually. It's, not, it's, not, it's like not one meal physically. We eat meals all the time, every day. And as we think about our life with God, we want the, the Word of God to become part of who we are so that it changes our mind so that we might be directed by that little computer he drops in the, the vehicle that controls the actions of that car. But it's not always going to be easy. Sometimes we're going to step in some things that we got to get out as quickly as possible. Uh, earlier this week, I, was, I, was, I went out to the deck where Brandon worked with the, the youth, and we were, we were talking about some things, and after we were talking, all of a sudden he said, you, you, better, you better step away. I said, what? There's a bunch of ants there. Well, I was expecting two or three ants, but actually what happened, it was like, it wasn't an ant hill because I think I would have seen that, but you notice how ants now sometimes, there's just a little hole in the ground, and then they go down deep. Well, as soon as I stepped away, there were, I mean, I'm not exact, there were thousands of ants, okay? They were just swarming everywhere. Uh, everywhere, and particularly on my shoes, and in my socks, and crawling up my legs, you know. And, I, you know, and when that happens, you move fast, man. You're, just, you're taking off your shoes, you're, you're taking off your socks, you're batting everything you can. And, and I'm, I, then I came to that very important thought. Now, do ants sting or do they bite? But, <laughs> you know, and, and so, you know, they, they, I, I did everything I could to get away from that which is invading my, my, my being, okay, with all those ants. And for some of us, that's what we got to consider. What, what's invading my space here? Are there some things in this world that I'm, I'm letting to creep in? I'm, I'm, a, I'm adopting the values, and, and they're invading my life, and they're kind of controlling me. What do I turn, need to turn from so I know what to turn to? And it all begins with saying, God, I, I believe that your word sets me free. And that your word is truth. And when I am devoted to not just the information in the word of God, but that's transforming power, that's when change really happens. And I don't have to be like I used to be. And I can become more like God wants me to be. That's how God changes. Let's pray. Father, help us to to want what you want for us. And we, are, we long to come to you because of who you are. And Father, we, we want to be like that light fixture that, that has some things that need to change that the light can shine or shine more brightly. And Father, I would pray for each one here. If there's one that hasn't made that first step, might they admit their need, turn from their sin, believe in Jesus as as the forgiver of their sin on the cross, and then commit to follow you. But Father, if we do know you, might we in a, in a new and fresh way long for your word 
that will flush out that which needs to be flushed in our heart and our minds and our bodies and that we might desire to live in ways that will honor you. Father, we give you all who we are and we set our mind on things above, not on things that are on the earth. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This morning as we...